Welcome to another message from Columbus First Assembly. Thanks for listening as we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God. Our hope is that you're encouraged by today's message. Last week, we celebrated Easter, and this week I want to continue with some Easter thoughts. But before we actually get into those thoughts, I just want us to pray together. There's a prayer coming up on the screen. Would you pray this out loud with me? Holy Spirit, speak to me through this message. I open my heart to hear what you desire to say. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a verse of scripture in the book of Hebrews that talks about the crucifixion, but actually it refers to Jesus before the crucifixion, and it says this, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. How could the cross, how could the crucifixion of Jesus be joyful for him? We're going to talk about some of that this morning as I, I talk under the topic of why. Why did Jesus choose to die? Why is Jesus' resurrection important? Why should I care? That's actually one of the best why questions for this morning. Why should I care? How does Jesus' death and resurrection impact my life? Now, most people know the story, or at least part of the story, of Jesus' death and resurrection. They've heard about Judas's betrayal and Peter's denial and the beating and the crucifixion and then the resurrection. It's been depicted in movies. It's been depicted in artwork throughout the centuries. It's been uh, even stained glass in churches depict the stories of Jesus' dying and then his resurrection from the dead. And while most Americans know the story, very few, or at least fewer, know why. Why did Jesus choose to die? Why is the resurrection important, and why should I care? How does Jesus' death and resurrection impact my life? Well, to answer these questions, I want to talk to you about Gary. Gary was somebody I knew about 30 years ago, and I think his name was Gary. I, my memory is not that good. But uh, Gary was a young college student in the community where my wife and I lived back in western Kansas. And he started to come to the church that my wife and I attended. I wasn't pastoring at that time. I was uh, still working for the local television station. And Gary showed up at our church, and somehow or other, whatever the circumstances were, Gary and I became acquainted and we became friends. Now, Gary was one of these young men that, man, he was sharp. He had this incredible mind. If I remember correctly, his major was going to be in math and in science, which, uh, you know, you can't major in math and science without having a good mind. And so Gary started coming to the church, and we started talking, and, and Gary was curious. He had questions about the Bible. He had questions about creation. He had questions about Jesus. What he said was he was raised in church. And during those years in church, he had heard the stories and his parents had taught him uh, some things and he had listened to uh, the pastor preach. He had heard the stories about Jesus, but he said, when I got to high school, it, it started not to make sense to me. It was like, why should I really believe this stuff? And he, he really began to turn from the faith that he was raised with. Well, Gary went away to college and through whatever circumstances, Gary became curious enough to start attending the church where I was attending. And so Gary and I, as I said, developed this conversation. And finally, his questions began to turn to 
Jesus. Gary said, I don't understand this Jesus stuff. You know, I heard about the beating and I heard about the crucifixion and I heard about the resurrection and I heard about the, the women going to the tomb, but I don't, I don't get it. Why? What, what Gary was asking was, were those questions, why? Why does the crucifixion matter? Why does the resurrection matter? But what he was really asking is, why should I, a 20-year-old college student in western Kansas, majoring in math and science, care about an ancient story in an ancient book called the Bible. And so we began to talk, and I began to uh, unpack what the Scriptures say. And that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to unpack to you the whys. The why of the crucifixion, the why of the resurrection, and why should you care. Now, with Gary, one of the things was that Gary said that, even in our conversation, he said, you know, I know. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done some things wrong. I know that I've done some wrong things, but, but I've, um, I do a lot of good things too. In fact, you know, I try to make sure that I do more good than I do wrong. And, and uh, in fact, he said, that's why I started to come to this church. I started to come to this church because I figured God would notice and, and that would help balance the, the scales. And I smiled because what Gary was, was saying was some, well, a lot of people believe that. And so uh, I asked Gary a really important question. I said, Gary, I know that you're doing a lot of good because you recognize that you're a sinner and you're doing things that your parents didn't tell you or told you not to do and that they said God doesn't uh, want you to do. When do you know that you've done enough? When do you know that you've done enough good to outweigh the bad? Well, you know, Gary thought about that for a second and he says, well, I guess maybe you don't really ever know, but I know that I'm doing a lot more good than some of the guys on campus that I hang around with. They're doing a whole lot more bad than good. And I laughed and I said, I understand where you're coming from, Gary, but I need to tell you something. You can never do enough. You could never do enough good to outweigh the bad that you have done. And, 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 and Gary was a little bit taken aback by this because he thought, well, that's all I needed to do. I need to go to church. I need to give something in the offering and things would be right. Um, I said, there's a verse in the, in the Bible, in the prophet Isaiah, that says our righteousness, the right deeds that we do, they're nothing more in God's sight than filthy rags. God is so holy that the best that we could do is nothing more than filthy rags. To which Gary, after he thought about it for a second, said, and he was sharp. He was a sharp kid. Then I can't win at this. I can never do enough good to make up for my sins, and I'm not that bad of a sinner. I said, that's exactly right, Gary. And that's where Jesus comes in. And so I went on to explain to Gary the whys. The whys of the crucifixion. The whys of the resurrection. And I'm going to explain them to you today as we continue these thoughts about Easter. I mean, we're only a week away from celebrating Good Friday and Holy or Monday Thursday and Easter Sunday. We're only a week away from that. Let me explain to you the whys of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Why did Jesus choose to die? Why is Jesus' resurrection important? And I think the most important question is, why should I care? And I'm going to put the, uh, the statements, I'm going to put my points this morning 
in the first person so that they're more personal to you. So here we go. I'm going to go through this kind of quickly. Uh, You might want to take some notes or rewind this, do whatever, take a screenshot. But here we go. Why should you care? Number one, I have sinned. I have sinned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, Gary didn't have a problem with that. He, in fact, offered this information to me before we even talked about it. He said, you know, I know I'm a sinner. I'm doing some wrong things, but I'm going to make up for it by doing enough right things. And, of course, what Gary didn't know, and what many people don't know is this. Yes, I have sinned. But the second point is, I have earned a death sentence. I have earned a death sentence. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Now wages are what you earn and what you ultimately get paid on the job for what you do. But the Bible specifically talks about the wages of sin. Guess what? You and I have earned a death sentence. All of us have sinned and we have earned a death sentence. I am going to die eternally because of my sins. You are going to die eternally because of your sins. What I explained to Gary is, is, Gary, you are going to die eternally because of your sins. That means that you won't spend eternity with God in heaven. You have earned eternal separation from God because of your sin, and you can't earn God's forgiveness by the good deeds that you do. Point three, something must die for my sins. Something must die for my sins. And that something will be me because you earned it or because I earned it. Unless something else dies in my place. And this is where it began to get a little intriguing as I explained to Gary, and it might be getting a little intriguing for you. Something must die for my sins, and since I've earned a death sentence, Gary earned a death sentence, you earned a death sentence, we're going to pay for the wages of our sin, which is eternal death and separation from God, unless something else dies in my place. Hebrews 9.22 says this, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, which brings us then to point four. God made it possible for something else to die in my place. This is good news, friends. This is good news. It was good news to Gary. It was good news to me when, oh my goodness, 40 years ago, I heard this for the first time and opened my heart to Jesus. God made it possible for something else to die in my place. Now, back in the Old Testament, that something else was an animal. It could be a a, a goat, it could be a lamb, it could be a bull. Actually, you were able to have something substitute in your place, die for you. An animal could shed its blood so that you ultimately and eternally did not have to die. The Bible calls this atonement. And to atone means this. It means to make amends, to pay the penalty to make things right between people. Now, most of us try to make atonement ourselves. We try to make things right between us and God. And as I explained to Gary, and I've explained in this message, that can't happen because there's nothing that we could do would make us good enough to atone for the sins. But something else could die in our place. Forgiveness of sins 
is available through the shedding of blood. And in the Old Testament, it was animal blood. Animals were sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. But that blood that the animal shed was temporary. It covered the sins at the time that we asked for forgiveness and shed the animal's blood. Actually, the priest would do it in the temple. But it was only temporary, which means, you know, I'd go out and maybe not intentionally, but I would sin again. And when I sinned again, guess what? I'd have to go back and have an animal shared. Now, now, now Gary's pretty sharp. Gary said, well, you know, we can't do that today. We'd get thrown in jail if we started sacrificing animals. And, and uh, as I said, he was a sharp kid. And I laughed and I agreed with him. And I said, yes, you're right. But we don't need to kill animals any longer. Animal blood does not have to be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And that brings us to Jesus. And as, and as I was talking to Gary, I said, I think now things will begin to make a little bit more sense. Remember, I am a sinner. I have earned a death sentence for my sins. And something must die for my sins, either me or something else. The wages must be paid, blood must be shed, and that brings us to point five. God the Father chose to offer his son Jesus as a blood sacrifice for my sins. And God the Son Jesus chose to be a perfect sacrifice for my sins. I'm going to state this one again. God the Father chose to offer his son Jesus as the blood sacrifice for my sins. And God the Son Jesus chose to be a perfect sacrifice for my sins. Jesus went to the cross willingly and freely and even joyfully. That's what Hebrews was talking about. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him. So what brought him so much joy? Because he loved us and he knew that this would make a way for us to be once again in right relationship with God, no longer separated by sin. See, Jesus knew why he was on earth. He knew what he was going to do, and both the Father and the Son chose this method because they loved us so much. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, but to keep this personal, to keep it in the first person, Jesus died for your sin. And when Gary was listening, I actually put his name in there. I said, Gary, Jesus died for your sin. Here's some scriptures that talk about this. And there are numerous scriptures, but I'll just go through a few of them. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. He himself bore, that means carried, our sins in his body on the cross. Literally, somehow, our sin was put on his body. And then Romans 5, verses 6 and 7 says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus literally and spiritually took all of the sins of mankind into his body on the cross, and he shed his blood for these sins. Remember, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But with the shedding of blood and perfect blood, because Jesus lived a perfect life on earth. Jesus lived the life 
we could not live. And then he died the death we should have died so that we could become the righteousness of God. That's why the crucifixion is important. It was making a way for us to be forgiven of our sins and for us to be able to have a relationship with God. Now Gary was taking all of this in and his mind was able to follow the logic as I hope you're able to follow the logic. And he asked a question. Well, couldn't God have forgiven us some other way? I mean, come on. Couldn't God have just come up with something else except blood? And I, 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 say, I, I suppose he could, but this was God's idea. It wasn't mankind's idea. It was God's idea for blood and the blood of his son to be shed. But I, I offered this explanation. I said, one of the reasons I think that God used blood is because he wanted to tell us how much he loved us. He was willing to allow his son to die in our place. He was willing to sacrifice his son for us to prove how much he loved us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his son. But in the book of uh, 1 Peter, it says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. We were not redeemed with perishable things such as silver or gold. We were redeemed with the precious blood of the only begotten Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, Jesus. That's what redeemed us from our sins. Remember, first person, I have sinned. That's you, friend. That's me. That was Gary. I have earned a death sentence. Something must die for my sins. God made it possible for something else to die in my place so I don't have to die for the wages of my sins. And God the Father chose to offer His Son Jesus as the blood sacrifice for my sins. And Jesus chose to be the sacrifice for my sins. That brings us to point number six. The resurrection proves the crucifixion. The resurrection proves the crucifixion. If Jesus had gone through all that he went through, and if he would have stayed in the tomb, it wouldn't have mattered at all. But when he rose three days later, it proved that everything he taught, everything he said, and everything he did was true. When Jesus Christ came back to life physically in the body and he came out of the tomb, now in a glorified state, it proved that the resurrection didn't matter. Because if he would have stayed in the tomb, all he was was another prophet, preacher, Messiah who died and was forgotten. But he's not forgotten because he rose again from the dead. I'm going to say it this way. This is a key point. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion is meaningless. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion is meaningless. Now getting back to Gary over 30 years ago, Gary took all of this in. I think he was really understanding the logic of the sin and the blood sacrifice. He understood why Jesus chose to die And then he said this, so that's it? 
Everybody on planet earth has their sins paid for and forgiven. Everybody's going to heaven. I smiled and I said, well, yes and no. Yes, Jesus paid the price for all the sins of the world. But no, everybody will not be going to heaven, although everyone can go to heaven. Jesus paid the price for the sins of the world, but not everyone goes to heaven because of this. Point seven. I am given a choice. I can accept the gift or reject the gift. I can accept the gift or reject the gift. Romans 6.23, I only talked about the first half of Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But actually the verse goes on and says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God offers to each person a gift, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness of sins. God offers a gift. But for the gift to be valid, it must be received. And that's why point seven is I'm given a choice. I can accept the gift or reject the gift. Why questions again. Why did Jesus choose to die? Jesus chose to die because he loved us and his death was necessary to pay the just price for my sins. Why is Jesus' resurrection important? The resurrection proved that everything else was true. Without the resurrection, Jesus' death was meaningless. Why should I care? How does his death and resurrection impact my life? The only way for you and I, and as I was talking to Gary, I got real personal with him. The only way, Gary, that you can be in a right relationship with God is to receive the free gift that he offers to you. John 14, 6 says, Jesus talking here, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way to God, and it is through receiving the gift that Jesus Christ made available when he died on Calvary, rose from the dead. He is the way to the Father. Gary came that day to an understanding that God was offering him a choice, that God had paved the way for him to be in right relationship with him. God had paved a way for him to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven. And then he asked another very insightful question. So if I want this gift, how do I get it? How do I receive it? What do I do? I quoted to him from Romans chapter 9, verse 9 and 10, these words. It says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I said, Gary, the gift is received by prayer. Now, I wanted to be clear to him that just declaring Jesus is Lord is not just saying some words. Jesus is the Lord, good, I'm saved, bingo. Now, the Greek that it's translated into the English, declare, the Greek word for declare is to make full agreement with. That means you are agreeing with the statement that Jesus is Lord, but even more personally, Jesus is my Lord. When you confess with your mouth or declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saying to God that he has the right to be the boss 
of your life. Jesus Christ needs to be the boss of your life. That means you will live your life in the way and in the manner that he tells you to live. And that is not necessarily an easy thing. Praying a prayer is easy. Living the life. See, some people just want the forgiveness of sins. They want to have eternal life. But what they don't want is they don't want Jesus to be the boss, the Lord of their life. And I was very honest with Gary. I said, Gary, for the past 20-some years, you've been the boss of your life. If you want Jesus to be the boss of your life, and he will be, that's going to mean some changes on your part. Well, Gary, uh, Gary gave this a lot of thought. One of the first things he said to me is, I, I need to think about this. And it kind of surprised me at first, but he said, this, this sounds too easy. All I have to do is pray a prayer and ask. I said, yes, that opens the door and, and God miraculously comes to live inside of you, but the backside of that, the, the lordship side, well, that's, that's not quite as easy. It is a free gift. But then walking with Jesus is going to cost us something. Gary that day chose not to pray. I, I offered. I said, would you like to pray? And he said, no, I really want to take some time to think about it. And, and I appreciated his honesty. And I'm here to tell you that Within the next few weeks, Gary really considered the points that I had made and what I had described to him. He got into the Bible himself and he began to read the passages of Scripture uh, that, um, that I gave him. And then he did. Not with me, but by himself. He did open his heart and he said, God, I do want this free gift. And God, I will allow you to be the Lord and boss of my life. So he did what that scripture said. He confessed with his mouth, Jesus was Lord, and he did believe that God raised him from the dead, and in that moment, Gary was saved. Now, what about you? What about you today? I want to emphasize the one why question. Why should I care? Why should you care today? Because if you do not receive the free gift of forgiveness from Jesus, for the wages of your sin, you will pay for your own sin by being eternally separated from God. Heaven and hell are real. And no one needs to miss out on heaven, but it's your choice. It is your choice. And if you desire to receive the gift right now, you desire to receive the gift of forgiveness, and you want to make Jesus the boss of your life, you can do it right there at home right while you're watching me. But if you would like to be like Gary and take some time to think about it, that's all right too. Read the scriptures. But here's what I want to say. If you are feeling right now God's Holy Spirit right there in your living room or in your kitchen or wherever you're watching this, if you're feeling God's Holy Spirit prompting you and you really want to think about it, then please promise me this. You will think about it. Because what oftentimes happens is after a message like this, when God's Holy Spirit is working on people's hearts and minds, after a message like this, people say they're going to think about it and they get distracted. Something else comes along, something else appears in their, in their feed, and all of a sudden, they never do think about it. If you're going to think about it, please think about it. Please think about it. And then make a decision. Because this is an eternal decision. 
Jesus is offering you a gift. The gift of forgiveness of sins and eternal life forever with He and the Father and all who have gone before in heaven. It's your choice. But if right now you're saying, yep, I'm in. This makes sense now, sort of. And really, it takes a while to process a lot of this, but you now understand why Jesus had to die. He had to die because without his blood being shed, we were not able to allow him to die in our place so that we can receive the forgiveness of sins. If you'd like to do that, then I'd like to lead you in a prayer right now. Just bow your head, close your eyes right where you are, even if there's other people in the room with you, if this is what you want to do. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead to prove that your death could cleanse me from sin. I ask for the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And I submit myself to your Lordship. Come and be the boss of my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you honestly and humbly came to Jesus and desired to do this, I'm going to tell you, a miracle has happened right now. Your sins have been washed clean. Jesus has come by the Holy Spirit, and he is now living in your life. It's, it's a miracle. You might even be able to feel something happening. When I prayed this prayer, I was aware that a change had happened within me, that almost like a burden had been lifted. Even if you don't feel anything, if you honestly and humbly prayed this prayer, Jesus has come to live inside of you, to live in your heart. And we celebrate with you today. But this is just the first step. What you're going to need to do is you're going to need to grow in your faith. So I'm going to make a few suggestions. First of all, you need to get a Bible, and they're easy to get, especially electronically right now. We use the YouVersion Bible app. I use it almost on a daily basis. It's a great Bible app if you don't have it. And what I'd encourage you to do is to go back and the scriptures that I talked about. You can rerun this message again. You can fast forward till you get to the scripture places. I would like you to take screenshots and then go to your own Bible or your YouVersion Bible app and look up and read not just the scripture, but the chapter that the scripture is in. Take some time. Begin to read God's word on a daily basis. Also, begin to daily pray. God now lives with inside of you. So you don't actually have to pray to him in heaven. You can just talk to him because he's so close right now inside of you. You may need to get some other instruction as to how to uh, learn the ways of God. How does boss Jesus? What does he say? What are we supposed to do? And most of that comes from an understanding of the word of God. And so on our church website, there's a whole lot of messages that I have preached over the past several years. You're welcome to look at all of those or watch all of those if you're using uh, the YouTube app. But if you just want to do audio, I do a lot of audio listening. We're on iTunes, podcast, our website has audio recordings. But there's one particular message I'd like to point out to you. and It's one I preached at the beginning of March before all this COVID stuff happened and we were able to still attend church together. It's called Study, Meditate, and Obey. Study, Meditate, and Obey. And it really talks about how do we learn God's Word and how do we apply God's Word to our lives so that we can begin to 
experience the blessings that come from obeying God and his word. All these teachings, as I said, they're available on our church website and on our YouTube channel. Would you pray with me now as we close this time together? Lord, at the beginning of this message, we ask that you would speak to us through what I am saying. I believe that you have. Now let us act upon what you have shown us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Columbus First Assembly. We hope that you've been encouraged in your spiritual journey. If you're not part of a local church and would like to attend one of our regular services, our church is located at the corner of 10th and Iowa Street in Columbus, Indiana. Our Sunday morning worship services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening studies begin at 7 p.m. And while you're online, check out our website at columbusfirstassembly.org for details and information about our church. You will also find other messages and series that you can listen to or download. Thanks for spending some time with us and for taking advantage of this resource from Columbus First Assembly, where we strive to learn and live the word and ways of God.